1: to My 7 Chakras and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar.
2: What's up Action Tribe, AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my the show where we provide you ancient wisdom for self-healing and transformation. So our guest for today is an award-winning author whose best-selling book, The Genie in Your Jeans," has been hailed As a breakthrough in the field of epigenetics, Dawson has uh, published numerous scientific papers with a focus on the remarkable self healing mechanisms now emerging at the intersection of emotion and gene expression. And in his latest book, which we're going to focus on today, Mind to Matter, Dawson Church examines the scientific facts and reviews the studies that show, step by step, exactly how our minds create material form. As each piece of the puzzle falls into place, the science turns out to be even more astonishing than metaphysics. So you're you're in store for a lot of amazing wisdom that is going to be dished out. But Action Tribe, our guest for today is Dawson Church. So Dawson, are you ready to inspire?
1: Hey AJ, I am so ready to inspire. I wake up in the morning, <laughs> so inspired myself, I meditate, and that really gets me in a place where I feel One with the universe, one with everyone. And I start my day that way. And I love extending it to this moment here. So absolutely.
2: Wonderful. And if I may, I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, we've had an interview before this, but I can say for a fact that you have a wonderful energy about you and especially your wisdom, but also your laughter is very infectious. And our listeners have also remarked that they love your, uh, what you share. So can't wait to get started. But to begin, uh, what is that one inspiring quote that is on your mind right now? And how do you apply it in your day-to-day life these days?
1: Well, one quote that I've been mulling lately is yeah. one by Albert Einstein. And there are lots of quotes by Einstein. But Einstein said that all great discoveries in science were made through intuition. And in fact, he'd been wrestling with the theory of relativity in his, what him the theory of relativity in his mind for <laughs> a long time and he was staying with his son-in-law and he was really frustrated he was going through a dark night of the soul mm-hmm. and then he had a dream one night and in his dream he saw what then became the theory of relativity and it was like this whole structure in front of him and it then took him 4 years to work out the mathematics and publish his first paper but um i just love the idea that scientific breakthroughs don't come from lateral thinking thinking mm-hmm. eventually uh, that from where we've been in the past, they happen. In, breakthroughs happen by leaping to a whole new conceptual level, and many other people have said, said the same thing. So I love that quote of Einstein's: that all great discoveries in science are made intuitively.
2: So the action drive. We're just beginning the show, but we have a lot of important and profound information uh, that we're learning today. Which is, um, you know, these breakthroughs do not happen just through normal thinking, you have to access a a different state and you have to access your intuitive mind in order to create that breakthrough. And when that happens, you will literally jump to another place, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. And we're going to learn more about that in today's episode. But uh, Dawson, what inspired you to write your amazing book, Mind to Matter?
1: Well, I began, I wouldn't say as a skeptic, but I began as someone who thought that I'd be writing a book that looked at the links between the thought and the thing. And what I thought I would be doing is writing a book that would show that we knew scientifically that some of those links were a fact. So I believe that I would find, as I looked at the science, I thought I'd find this link and this link and this link. But then I'd be missing a few links, and then I'd have a few more links. And then what I'd hoped to do, the best thing I'd hoped to do was be able to show that there is a lot of science behind the idea that our thoughts create our reality. But as I began to read studies, AJ, I was absolutely amazed because what I found by the time I finished the book is there was every single link in the chain available in terms of scientific evidence. And so no one had ever pieced all these links before. The other before and shown how they all do form an unbroken chain but they do and so that to me was the really amazing thing as i was writing the book and mm-hmm. it began the exploration of the whole idea of to what we do our thoughts create our reality in some ways um our thoughts obviously create our reality like i'm thirsty right now i'm taking a drink of water and no one in the audience is saying oh my goodness what a manifesto he manifests." Right. Water. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know. yeah. So people manifest things like putting on our shirts and, and brushing our teeth. But then there are people who are extraordinary manifestors. Mm. So many of them personally. People like Tony Robbins and Joe Dispenza and Jack Canfield and Marion Williamson and Marcy shimov Donnie Eden. And these are master manifestors. And so there are people I've known who, when they have a goal and a vision, and it could be a huge vision. Mm-hmm. They're able to manifest that. And so I wanted to find out what those people do and right. how they work, what's different about them. So um, extraordinary manifestation. How can you do that? And also wanted to let people know scientifically what not to bother with. Because they hear people mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to manifest, uh, uh, here's one that, that I, I just, uh, I don't want to be, appear disrespectful of anyone, of anyone's beliefs the people who believe this and I do respect everyone's beliefs and opinions but mm-hmm. if you believe you can grow younger yeah. I don't believe that I know enough science I know enough biology I know enough mitosis cell division cell death yeah. uh, I know enough about just all of these these things to know that cells get older and older and older there's a thing called the Hayfleck limit when they reach mm-hmm. the Hayfleck limit they die now you can slow the aging process down dramatically and I'm talking by 10 years or more sometimes 20 or 30 years in fact my mentor says that you can slow down by up to 40 years but can you reverse the arrow of time and i don't believe you can so i don't want people barking up the wrong tree i don't want them trying to do things that are just unachievable but i want them to be doing things that are achievable and it turns out aj most people are thinking that that much is achievable and in reality far more is achievable than they believe The goal of the book is to really show people what they can do. And it turns out to be an enormous amount.
2: So firstly, uh, I love your book because you have not held back anything. There's a lot of research that you point out to. There's a lot of stories that you share, wonderful stories about remarkable healing and miraculous transformations. You also share action steps that people can take in order to transform their lives. And basically what you're doing is you have, like you've said, linked what's happening in the shaman's mind what is happening in the laboratory and what they're finding so that anyone from this wide spectrum can be able to relate to what you're sharing and also incorporate that into their lives, which is wonderful. Uh, now, talk to us about the fact that our brains shape the world. And you've written also that our ba- brains can create our and do create our reality. So talk to us a bit more about that. Yeah. Absolutely. How that happens.
1: <laughs> well, uh, our mind and brains are really interlinked and mind, of course, is the, the process of our thinking at the ordinary, at the local level. Mm-hmm. Mind is also at the level of the non-local mind and the field of consciousness in which all things exist. And in the book, I talk about this conscious field of non-local mind. I begin the book with a non-local mind, and I end the book with non-local mind. And so there is this field in which we live, and our brains are like a transceiver of information from the field, And a projector of it into reality just the way for example you are watching this right now you're listening to this on a device Mm -hmm. but nobody believes that because i'm listening to this on my iphone or on my on my samsung galaxy or on my ipad no one actually Mm -hmm. believes that aj you and i are inside my iphone that would Mm be obviously absurd belief to think that the broadcast that is shown by your your video is coming from inside your video hardware But that's exactly what materialists argue about the mind and the brain. They say that that we have these complex brains in our heads, and so those complex brains are throwing off this phenomenon called consciousness or mind. That's like saying that the broadcast is coming from the iPhone. It just makes no sense. There's no evidence for that. And so what you want to do is really be aware of non-local mind. And I begin the book with this story that one of the stories that convinced me to write this book and what what happened was a few years back, I was in in Hawaii because I had a deadline to finish another book for a publisher, and I was really behind. So I flew to Hawaii from California, where I live, and I spent a while in Hawaii just finishing the book without distractions. And every day I would exercise and do things around the condominium where I lived. I rented a jeep because on the island I, I was staying, quite a mm-hmm. few beaches are inaccessible. You need a four-wheel drive vehicle to get there. Right. So every day I would in my jeep, lock up the condo. Get in my jeep, drive to the ocean, uh, pick a nice beach, swim there, and then drive back and keep writing. Mm-hmm. And the other day I was swimming at a beach called lawai Beach, okay. and it was it's about uh, four hectares in size, it's a big beach. There's a a uh, there's a reef about 100 meters offshore. It's about uh, three meters deep uh, at the deepest point, two meters deep at other points. And so I spent like an hour. Just swimming around having a wonderful swim snorkeling around this this big 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 bay between the beach and and the reef And i i got back to my my jeep feeling really good and i put my hand in my pocket to get the keys to the car and my pocket was empty mm. and so i didn't have the keys to my car the car was locked not only that i typed the keys to my apartment The car keys, and I had no keys to get into my apartment or into the car. And I I looked at this huge bay and realized somewhere in this massive expanse of water, two or three meters down, there was a little pair of keys amid the Carl heads. But I I just stayed in my heart, I just kept breathing, I felt grateful for my life, I did not panic at all. And uh, this isn't always me, I I may not have always been that calm, but I was in the flow. I talk a lot about this state of flow in the book. I was in a state of flow. I swam around the bay for quite a while, couldn't find them. And I, I thought, this is just a, a fool's errand. There's no way you can find those keys here. But then it began to get dark. And mm. I, I thought, just, just head uh, back to the shore. There's no way you'll find those. And as I was swimming back, there was a father with three boys, three teenage sons, who had just come into the water for a last end-of-the-day dip, And th- the three of them, three of the three kids, were diving down the bottom of the of the bay and back up again and my intuition said to me really clearly now i'm not a person who goes up to strangers normally but i just swam up to them intuitively and i said i see you guys diving down there Mm. any of you found anything on the bottom and the youngest boy about 12 years old held up my keys (laughs) Ah. (laughs) now when when that happens to you once you think but it happens to you more than once you start yeah. to wonder about the order in the universe. when mm-hmm. it happens to you every day and sometimes several times a day, you just say, "We live in a universe in which there is mind, there is consciousness, and the best thing I can do is to surrender myself and flow in my life as part of that yeah. consciousness, not trying to make it all up from my local mind. So that's that's really how I see the relationship sure. mind, brain, and consciousness.
2: Wonderful. I love that story, and especially when people share stories. On our podcast, it's really, really inspiring. The fact that when you realize that you lost your keys and the fact that your house keys was connected to that bunch, uh, you could have gone many ways, right? You could have gotten stressed or worried about what to do next, but you remained calm. And in that state that allowed you to go back into the ocean, spend some time there, but not lose hope. And then ultimately reach out to that family and find the answer. So I think there are a lot of clues that you shared to us right in that story especially if something goes wrong. So, so thanks a lot for sharing that. Now, uh, in your book, you, you, you write about, and very eloquently you write about, the forces of light, electricity, and magnetism. So talk to us about these forces and how they help with the functioning and the operation of the, of the brain and the mind.
1: Well, the first part of the book is really about how brain and mind affect molecules and the world inside our bodies. Yeah. And so that, that that part of the book is not very controversial because I'm saying things like, when I have a negative thought, I yeah. create molecules like adrenaline and cortisol. And yeah. every biologist, every doctor, no one would disagree with that statement, that by yeah. when my consciousness shifts, my molecule shifts. I'm, I'm literally creating molecules by the process yeah. of the brain and mind. Yeah. So I'm translating an abstract emotion, fear, or anger, or resentment into a concrete molecule like yep. cortisol and adrenaline. And I've done several clinical trials of cortisol yep. showing that cortisol fluctuates based on our consciousness. So here we are able to create things in, inside our bodies and they don't have to be the result of actual physical objective stresses. Uh, mm-hmm. If I think back to an event that stressed me out, just the thought about thought of it will create those molecules as well. So by thought alone mm-hmm. in the absence ap- any object of threat, if I think about a bad thing that happened to me, I will start to create these molecules. Nothing bad's happening out there, but mm-hmm. I'm making these stress-filled molecules inside my body. And that's, again, that's, yeah, that's, that's really, really not hard or not controversial, although I do trace exactly how we do that and how positive thought produces enormous shifts inside our bodies and cumulatively affects our longevity, right. not by a year or two, but by a decade or more. So that's the first part of the book, and then I get to the whole part of the book where I talk about the effect of thought on material reality mm-hmm. outside of us. And the first experiment I talk about has been talked about by hundreds of other authors. It's not new, it's 200 years old. It's the double slit experiment mm-hmm. where, where where research shows that if you pass an electron or electrons through a uh, through a barrier with a slit in it, that they form an interference pattern. And so uh, the observer effect, when they're observed, they do one thing. When they're not observed, they do another thing. And this has been been known for a long, long, long time. So something about observation mm-hmm. is, is, is powerful. But I also quote the and explain the latest research there done by my friend Dean Radin at mm-hmm. Noting Sciences. And what uh, Dean has done is an incredibly interesting series of experiments, several hundred trials right. of an experiment comparing a video camera a machine observer mm-hmm. and a human observer, and it turns out that the experiment is significantly more pronounced, the effect is bigger when there's a human consciousness viewing it than when there is a mechanical consciousness viewing the double slit experiment. So, so in this way, our consciousness is affecting our reality, and science has been giving us these clues like that for a long, long, long time. But now we have much better equipment, we can do much more elaborate experiments and so I show in the book that there is at least some evidence, not always strong evidence, not always compelling evidence, but there is evidence that our consciousness affects the four fundamental forces of physics. Now these are the fundamental structure of the way our material world works. They should be immutable. They should not be changeable by human beings. I mean, I should not just be able to go out there and change gravity. I should not be able to go out there and change electromagnetism. All kinds of things run off electromagnetism. There's no, I mean, it seems absurd to think that I can go change it. Uh, The strong nuclear force, the strong nuclear force binds the elements in an atom together and, and stops them flying off. And then the weak nuclear force is radioactivity. And there's no way I... My consciousness, my brain, my mind, my local mind, my connection with non-local mind should be able to affect things as objectively true yeah. as molecular bonding. But it happens. One of the cute stories I have in the book because I I I, I have stories all all the way through the book. Yeah. because I, the science is really is really important. It has to be evidence based. It has to be factual. But then you want to tell stories about people because right. those are what what others can relate to much more easily. So I tell the story about. A lab at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where where uh, senior chemists go before they graduate, and they have to do experiments in the lab to graduate with their advanced degrees. Right. And one of the tasks that also uh, this story came to me while I was working on this chapter on this phenomenon, and I didn't know I had no stories in the chapter at that point. I wondered how do I find out about this? So I was at dinner with my mother and father-in-law. Okay. And one of their, her sister's nephews was visiting from MIT mm-hmm. and told the story to people at the dinner table, the perfect story for that chapter in my book. Okay. And that well, the whole book came together. So this, 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 this young man, MIT, told the story about how in this lab, they have to precipitate salt crystals out of a super saturated solution and yeah. it's very difficult to do this everyone knows it's difficult to do this and when they come into the lab it takes many many attempts before they can finally crystallize these 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 crystals yeah and so they, they they know that this is true in the lab the lab director knows it's true they know it's a real test of their ability to manipulate the solution well and to be a, a good chemist so it's just one of those rites of passage that a lot of the, the the undergraduates there dread because it's known to be very difficult to precipitate right. Sodium crystals out of that, that solution. Yep. So, a new lab assistant started there. His first day started in the lab, and he walked in and was just getting familiar with the experiments performed there. wanted yep. to precipitate sodium crystals. So, he said, Oh, okay. And he, he did the experiment. And right away, the crystals precipitated for him. Hmm. And then he talked to the lab director and said, Oh, yeah, I know. By the way, I did a bunch of the experiments you're supposed to do here. I, I did the precipitation experiment first. And the lab director said, you did what? (laughs) So it was one of the the things you do. I mean, was I not supposed to do that? Mm. And she said, you did that on the first attempt? He said, yeah, I just followed the instructions and it happened. Mm. So the the point of that story is that he didn't know it was difficult. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Every other student that comes into that lab knows Mm -hmm. the really difficult scientific challenge and so they approach it with that mindset of difficulty. But that person who didn't know that was able to do, do, do it first time. And there are, there are dozens of stories like this in science where experiments that are meant to be random like this aren't because of human consciousness. So there are lots of, lots of stories like that and lots of experiments showing that people can affect electromagnetism, gravity, the strong and the weak nuclear force. And these stories are just amazing. So it means that we don't just turn molecules and shift the, the the expression of genes and turn yeah. uh, molecules on and off inside our bodies, we are literally able to affect molecules outside of our, our bodies by our consciousness.
2: Action Tribe, these days I wake up at 5 a.m. It's a beautiful experience. I go for my jog, do some meditation, read for about 10 minutes, and then relax to my hot cup of mushroom cacao mix By And honestly, this beverage is a wonderful way to begin your day because it contains the goodness of reishi mushrooms, which is amazing for reducing stress and helping you relax. And it's made with pure Peruvian cacao, which is great for calming your heart. And it contains a beautiful blend of cinnamon and cardamom that's so tasty and healthy and clean because it contains organic non-GMO and it's free from fillers and carriers. Now it's really convenient because all you have to do is just mix it with hot water. And don't be worried about your calories because it contains just 25 calories per serving. So I highly recommend that you try it out, especially if you're building your morning or your evening routine, because they've extended a really special offer for all of Action Tribe. Receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic purchase. Go to forsigmatic.com forward slash Action Tribe or use discount code Action Tribe at checkout. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com forward slash A-C-T-I-O-N-T-R-I-B-E for dot com forward slash action tribe or use discount code action tribe at checkout. <laughs> Wonderful. That's a a great uh, story. And, uh, you know, sometimes the double slit experiment is difficult to sort of understand, right? But you've sort of captured that in a wonderful way. The fact that he or the student went into the laboratory and did the experiment, the last experiment, not knowing whether or not it was possible or not knowing that the other people felt that it was extremely difficult and uh, the outcome was achieved. And so what you've proven is that the observer really does affect the outcome of the experiment it really makes a difference whether you believe or not deep down whether it is possible for you or not now you know let's talk about enlightenment for a bit now Uh, you write about the enlightened brain the fact that mystics have been experiencing these transcendental states of being uh, where they experience intense joy intense bliss and oneness among other experiences so what's happening in the brains of uh, uh, you know these people, and what have these studies found?
1: There is a brainwave pattern called the awakened mind, okay. and EEG was invented in the late 1920s by a German doctor called Hans Berger, and it was originally a diagnostic tool. But in the 1960s, some enterprising researchers said, you know, let's start using EEGs to see what's going on inside the brains of mystics. So people who are having mystical experiences—they hooked up swamis, they hooked up adepts, they took, hooked up yoga masters, and mm-hmm. what they found after a while, after studying people from many different traditions, was that even though their brain waves were all over the place in waking consciousness, yeah. there was no commonality in their in their waking state. When they were in a deep state of flow, mm-hmm. their brain waves looked. The same, the ratios of the various brain waves, delta, this is the slowest wave, theta. I show diagrams from EEGs in the book, and they're really understandable. Most mm. EEG diagrams are not understandable by the average person. So yes. I, I make all of this understandable. I three diagrams you can glance at, and you'll see right away how those, those, those delta waves, beta waves, alpha waves, beta waves, and gamma waves start to change. And so these masters then had this, this brain wave pattern which the British researcher Maxwell Cade called the awakened mind. They were all in the awakened mind stage when they were in their healing state, when they were in meditation, when they were in trance, they all moved into the awakened mind pattern of brain waves. His uh, successor, a woman called Anna Wise, then all kinds of creative people, brilliant pianists, scientists, artists, people who were in flow, and she found the same thing. Anyone who's in flow goes into this awakened mind state, whether they're a mystic or not, we're all in that mystical state when we're in the awakened mind brain pattern. So I've really been looking now at the awakened mind state and the the crucial thing I asked myself again, one of those insights just came Mm. to me after meditation one day, and I was looking at the research on what frequencies do to cells. Mm. And we have these various frequencies from very slow waves Delta is one to four cycles per second. So, like one, that's like two cycles per second. Yeah. That's like four cycles per second. That's the rate at which our neurons fire in our brains to right. communicate with each other. And so, what we found was that um, I was doing a lot of reading about studies showing which frequencies affect which cells. And it right. turns out that certain frequencies affect cells big time, certain frequencies stimulate the production of stem cells. And stem cells are your main anti-aging and cell repair stem cells. They heal tissue. They, they can turn into nerve cells right. or skin cells or bone cells. So you need lots of, lots of stem cells to be healthy. And uh, so, so frequencies affect stem cells. Frequencies affect the repair of DNA. Frequencies affect the repair of neurons and neural channels and neural signaling in your brain. But I just one day had this epiphany. Yeah. And not to look at frequencies and their effects on cells, but to look only at the frequencies that your brain generates when you're in that awakened mind state. Mm. And it turns out your brain is generating frequencies, the very frequencies that have the most healing possible effects on your cells. And Mm. so you're producing stem cell proliferation, more and more stem cells. You're producing stem cell migration. To sites of damage in your body, stem cell adhesion, the third wave that creates stem cell adhesion to the tissue that's damaged and then helps repair that tissue. Telomere length, poz- enzymes that are really good for you, positivity yeah. genes being turned on, genes that, for example, help you have more of the substances that code for happiness in your brain. So, all of these things happening just with advanced meditation and that was the one thing to see is so that you can even you can acquire this awakened mind state if you know how to do it you teach anyone else to acquire it and then you're having you're triggering all these beneficial effects through these frequencies on the cells of your body
2: oh wow, that's that's really fascinating i mean the fact that there have been these studies that have been conducted like you mentioned where they uh, uh, you know worked with the swamis or the yogis or the meditators or people mystics even Uh, But not just them, but also, uh, you know, peak performers like uh, pianists or uh, musicians. And what they've noted is that all of them have a similar brainwave frequency where they attain the state of flow. And like you've wonderfully explained, this allows for your whole body to experience a deep rooted healing, which is wonderful. And I'm sure many of our uh, listeners are also interested in not just healing, but also accessing these states so that they can create wonderful or invent new ideas, or bring out something to fruition. Uh, and I'm sure that somebody might be having this question on their mind. But I maybe mean, we've, we've spoken about top performers, we've spoken about musicians, we've spoken about swamis and yogis, but what about somebody who is at home, somebody who is raising a household, can they experience at least a portion of this state of being so that they can have their own benefits?
1: I'm going to review an email I got after the book came out. So the book really inspired a lot of people to meditate. Okay. A lot of okay. people who did not meditate before. A lot of people who had tried and failed to meditate before. People who were right. failed meditators who had had attempted to do it. They closed their eyes. Their mind was full of thoughts. They couldn't do it. Yep. And now got so many quotes from people. This is just one of them over here, okay. and this is that person. So AJ, her name is Tony Tomblinson. She gave us permission to use her quote, and here it is. All I can say is wow, I have been meditating often for the last year and I have never experienced what I just did while following the audio for your eco-meditation method for the very first time. Mm -hmm. I spent probably 99% of my days full of anxiety, frustration, fear, and anger, just overall burnout with parenthood and with life. I was doubtful that I'd have any kind of enlightened experience and even kept hearing in my head, quote, you're just wasting your time, Tony. You can't get to that place inside of you. You've cried a million times before, unquote. But when I, this is step three of, of, the, of, the, of the meditation process. But when I sent that beam of love for my heart, I instantly started laughing and tears hmm. of pure bliss came out of my eyes. It was absolutely amazing. And I will now be doing eco-meditation every single day feeling that love and bliss is my dream thank you again and then there are five exclamation points <laughs> so the answer is yes uh what 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 is difficult is when i first learned to meditate i was 15 years old i was staying in the spiritual community and the the spiritual teacher there said to us meditation is easy close your eyes and still your mind when you close your eyes hardly anyone can still their minds because part of the brain called the default mode network kicks in and the default mode network's uh, two jobs is to, first of all, remember all the bad things that happened to you in the past okay. and of all, to project those out into the future. That's what happens when you close your eyes. Usually you, you constantly your mind, you have monkey mind jumping all over the place. People try and do that and they fail just like Tony did. So that's what our teacher told us to do. It didn't work for me. It works for hardly anybody. It just doesn't work very well. But with eco meditation, I give people simple physical steps to do. One of those, for example, and try this right now if you want to, you Mm -hmm. relax your tongue on the floor of your mouth. That sends a signal through your vagus nerve, which governs your parasympathetic relaxation response all through your body, and you relax. If you have your tongue relaxed, you can't get upset, you can't get annoyed, you can't get angry, you can't get resentful. Mm-hmm. So the simple things, there are seven of these like that. And you do all these together, you're in an alpha brainwave state, you're in deep heart coherence, you're using neurofeedback and biofeedback to calm yourself. And then like Tony, you just do this once and bingo, you're there. So I, I, the book is full of 30 exercises like that that I recommend people do to calm themselves and really start to enjoy the quality to their lives get away from monkey mind and all the worries we have most mm. people you know, tell you aj when we do their cortisol tests they are stressed they're, their cortisol level mm. looks like they're living in the jungle running away from tigers all the time you know and they're they're living in a nice apartment in bombay or they're living in, in a beautiful condominium in miami florida or they're living in in a in a really in a retirement home or something I mean, nothing bad's happening and we look at the cortisol profile look at their brain yeah. weight They have high beta waves, these waves of frustration and and, and anxiety. They have low amounts of theta and delta waves, those two healing Mm -hmm. waves. I mean, they are just, you know, biologically, they're a mess. And so when you do this, when you think negatively, when you get angry or anxious or stressed or worried Mm -hmm. day after day after day, it takes a huge biological cost. Cortisol Mm -hmm. produces heightened levels of skin wrinkling, lots Mm -hmm. of muscle mass, loss of bone density, loss of uh, learning and memory neurons in the the centers of the brain, a whole bunch of bad things. And the result is cumulatively, if you think negatively and have a negative take on life throughout your life, throughout many, many days, weeks, months, and years. One of the pieces of research in my book, Mind to Matter, shows that pessimists Mm -hmm. die on average eight years earlier than optimists. Think about that. You've been b- being a pessimist for the last 20, 30, 40 years. It's going to kill you. Uh, tw- eight, eight, years, eight years longer. Compassion has that effect. Ultramas has that effect. Energy therapies have that effect. There are so many ways in which you are different and much healthier if you use these kinds of approaches. So uh, you might not think that negative thought can hurt you. And well. in the moment, it might cause a small cortisol spike. Do the day mm-hmm. And then you start to have your consequences. Do it for a lifetime and you literally go to an early grade so that's why I'm so on fire to let people know that they can reverse all of this they can change they can affect their gene expression one study I, I talk about in the book people were doing EFT acupuncture acupressure tapping yeah. an acupressure points like this for an yeah. hour with a therapist mm-hmm. one hour of EFT tapping and in one hour of working on their psychological traumas their negative experiences in their, their lives in one hour the expression of 72 genes changed. 72 genes were upregulated by that one hour of EMP tapping, including genes that code for suppressing throat cancer, suppressing breast cancer, suppressing prostate cancer and bowel cancer, genes that code for improving memory and learning, genes that code for cell repair, genes that code for neural repair. 72 genes in one hour of an energy Mm -hmm. therapy I mean, if that doesn't get you excited (laughs) on buying Mind to Matter and doing those 30 things I recommend, I don't know what will. You will just be way happier and effective and intuitive across your whole lifespan.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot for sharing, Action Tribe. I hope you're listening and maybe taking notes as well. Uh, Think about and ask yourself, what is that soup that you're in? Uh, What is that chemical soup that you're in? In your body, do you have a lot of stress? uh, Cortisol, you know, rushing around? uh, Or do you have... You know other chemicals like serotonin or dopamine or anandamide, which is, I believe, a new chemical that I've I've learned about. But the question is, what type of soup are you in? And most importantly, these one hour or thirty minute uh, energy routines like qigong or EFT or acupressure don't take this lightly because it can really help you experience a shift as well as express many genes. And so, uh, hope is there. And you can really transform your lives. Now, you know, Dawson, you wonderfully explained and you told us about the implications of having a lot of stress or having negative thoughts in our mind and how that can lead to distress or maybe illness. But a lot of times people uh, find themselves diagnosed with a very grave sort of disease, maybe like a cancer. And you've written stories where people have gone from being diagnosed with an extreme form of cancer to experiencing a complete healing. Right? So talk to us about uh, maybe one of those stories, and how exactly does this happen? because we, you know we have many listeners who are listening to us who have been awakened because now they they need to keep in mind their nutrition and their thoughts and their lifestyle because they have cancer on their backs, and they want to really transform their lives. So, is it really possible to go from having cancer to go into healing? you, you know, just through, these practices and in yeah, her mind. <laughs>
1: so many stories about that, AJ, and one that really strikes me. I mean, it actually chills my body as I tell you the, the story. Of this, and she has a book out now, so I, I'm not breaking any confidentiality to, to, to okay. share a story. But Beth um, was diagnosed in March of 2017 okay. with plasticized breast cancer. And eventually, they, they found a lump, large lump on the top of her right breast. which was actually measured at five centimeters across. That is wow. a Big tumor, and they then began to look for uh, secondary sites of cancer in other parts of her body. Yeah. And they found that that under her right armpit, all of the lymph nodes were swollen and inflamed, full of cancer cells. And mm-hmm. when it gets into your lymph nodes, like getting into your bloodstream, it just goes all the way through your body, produces cancer at other other sites, and uh, you, you die. And so um, she, they looked for further manifestations. And they found three spots of, of inflammation on her right lung. So look, like what was breast cancer was turning into lymph node cancer and lung cancer. And she, when she got the diagnosis from the doctor, it was, was a morning in the hospital in Texas where she lives. And the doctor, the oncologist, said that this is so serious. Normally, we'd make an appointment for you to go to radiology and start a course of radiation treatments, chemotherapy. This is so serious. I want you to go straight from my office today, the radiology department, to get your first treatment right, right. now. And Beth said, I need time, I need to go Mm -hmm. talk to friends, I know people, she knows a lot of people, she knows me, she knows other people, knows some famous doctors, (laughs) she went home, Uh, she she emailed us, she phoned different people, and eventually she decided that she was going to see what energy could do, how energy could shift her. So she became completely focused on her healing and changing her energy and she did that in various ways. Uh, we did EFT tapping with her. She got uh, energy medicine treatments like Reiki type treatments on her body. Uh, she did Qigong and did an intensive course of Qigong. Now again, none of this has to do with, with, with changing things mechanically. It's yeah. changing consciousness, changing energy. She also realized that she was stressed out by volunteering to many charities. She, just oh, okay. all, she turned off all of her alerts on everything that was giving her alerts on her laptop or her, her, her cell phone her desktop machine no more alerts no more news took a news fast and no negative media no negative music no negative media she just got rid of everything that was causing stress or negative energy negative emotions in her life and so she was focused relentlessly on on doing that she cleaned up her diet she was exercising a lot and so she got the diagnosis in march <clears throat> okay In May, two months later, just two months later, she went back into this cancer hospital. It's a famous, internationally known cancer hospital called MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. Went back to see the oncologist. They gave her new scans. Mm -hmm. that The tumor had shrunk from five centimeters to 1.4 centimeters. Mm. And all of the lymph nodes under her right armpit were clear. Mm-hmm. so the oncologist being a cancer doctor being an oncologist said well it's great beth now let's just go in there and do surgery and cut out that last 1.4 okay. <laughs> Beth is like are you nuts yeah <laughs> so she right. had five opinions eventually from different doctors one doctor yeah. said to her it's shrinking because it's dead and it's dead and now the body is just clearing it away you don't need to go have it cut out so mm. she she just did nothing and later on uh the tumor went away completely blood tests showed she was totally free of cancer i spent time with her about a month ago and she is still cancer free now more than about two and a half years later so uh there are people who've had this story and i interviewed one guy recently 30 years later cancer mm-hmm. and he used only attitude and belief to heal his metastasized cancer so and I'm not saying you, that that this is right for everyone. I'm not saying that, that nobody will ever need chemotherapy or radiation. There are other people for whom that's perfect. It's their path to healing. You yeah. don't exclude any of the possible solutions you might have for any health problem. What I am saying, though, is that look at the role that consciousness and energy has in your body, and look at the role, and look at the leverage those things can have over your health. You can heal all kinds of things by energy and Content alone, on my website I have five thousand stories written mm-hmm. not by me, but from by people who sh- sh- show how to all kinds of stuff. So if you look on the website, as a pull down menu, it has like twenty different items, starting with A and ending with Z, Z or Z, ADHD, autism, Alzheimer's disease, and that's just the A. Then there are the Bs, bulimia. <laughs> 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 and these, 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 right all the way down. There, there's research showing that energy is able to at least shift and sometimes cure virtually every single thing we have. Now, for some people, again, it's we're both doing conventional treatments and they're doing alternative treatments as well. For some, it is the energy treatments are able to to cure them. So, lo- whether it's a problem in your love life, problem in your finances, problem in your career. What role can energy play in your healing?
2: Got it, got it. So there you go, Action Tribe, especially if you are listening right now and if you want to make a change in your life, remember that there's nothing as strong as a made-up mind. Uh, Once you made up your mind to heal, to transform, to build a new habit, it's possible for you. And the good thing is that there are so many different practices and uh, therapies that are out there these days that are non-intrusive and they do not have uh, bad uh, side effects. Uh, And the only need to do is just ask, reach out and uh, seek support, whether it's changing your nutrition or your mind or something like that, right? So remember, there is still hope. Uh, Now, Dawson, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, but uh, there's a lot of talk and and discussion about plant medicine these days because they help us uh, attain these altered states of consciousness. Uh, You know, uh, things that come to my mind right now are ayahuasca and magic mushrooms. I've not experienced it myself, but I'm very fascinated and I always want to learn more. About plant medicine. So, what are your thoughts on using these uh, plant me- using this plant medicine to experience uh, mystical states of uh, of being and oneness and uh, transcendence? So, what are your thoughts?
1: <laughs> well, the reason that all of those things work ayahuasca and peyote, magic mushrooms, and yeah. alcohol and MDMA ecstasy and cocaine and heroin and all of these things work is yeah. because they when they're ingested or however they're, they're taken in they wind up going to your brain they cross the blood-brain barrier yeah. and they bind with receptor sites in your brain it's like a lock and a key so okay. molecule over here and the only reason i mean there are millions of different molecules in, in cells in fact in marijuana for example there are yeah. hundred different compounds but there's one which binds to receptor sites in your brain. That's called THC. Right. So CBD in, in marijuana does not bind. Dozens of other molecules in, your, in, in marijuana don't bind. But just so happens that THC has a molecular structure that binds with these receptor sites in your brain. Okay. When you have that happen, it produces a wonderful feeling of ecstasy. Mm-hmm. That is just great. Except that all of those things have side effects uh, oh, okay. you know, over 25 years of research into MDMA, and it shows cognitive decline, increased risk of Alzheimer's disease, all, all kinds of pretty severe side effects to M- MDMA. Same with marijuana, same with all those other things. Now, think about this, okay? There was a, a famous uh, neuroscientist who had this line of thought. He said, if we know that THC binds like a lock and a key with these receptor sites, yeah. then why are those receptor sites there in your body? They're there, only there, because you must have a molecule already inside your body that's, yeah. a lot, that's shaped like THC to where it'll dock with that receptor site. You won't have that receptor site unless you had the same shape molecule as THC inside your own body. So you dispatch two of his radio students to go and try and find that molecule. Yeah, yeah that's the story of anandamide, and my um, mind did it's not it anandamide, and I talk about it on pages 80 through 91 of... Um, Mind to matter. We're right. so going to read about anandamide. I tell the story in the new book about the discovery of anandamide, and the, the, you know these these, these biochemists that it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. How do we find this one molecule among <laughs> tens of thousands of molecules? But they put their minds to it, and in the 1990s they discovered this molecule that was shaped exactly like THC, and they christened it ananda, which is the Sanskrit word for bliss, mm-hmm. mind, because when you have anandamide dock there you feel really good, just like you do with THC. Mm-hmm. So your body makes anandamide. And in the book, I give you these 30 practices. One of them, eco meditation, a meditation practice, why Tony Tomlinson's eyes were full of bliss is because if you do that, you'll trigger the production of anandamide in your own brain without snorting or squirting or <laughs> anything and mm-hmm. making an, anandamide. Not only that, magic mushroom psilocybin people microdose magic mushrooms well psilocybin is simply a different molecule that docks with the receptors in your brain for serotonin Mm -hmm. you've got psilocybin inside your your brain endogenously, not exogenously not exterior to your body interior to your body you've got psilocybin in your brain right now it's your feel-good neurotransmitter serotonin You've also got dopamine. Dopamine is what's triggered by cocaine and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've also got beta endorphins, and beta endorphins are triggered also by large amounts of alcohol. Uh, Beta endorphins are are these morphine-like molecules, Mm. and they are three times as strong as synthetic morphine. Mm. So the meditator sits down there, starts to feel this bliss of serotonin, magic mushrooms, psilocybin, sits down there and starts to feel this reward neurotransmitter like alcohol and cocaine of dopamine starts to produce uh anandamide in their brains they have a flood of oxytocin the bonding molecule part of their brain that holds the self the local self the prefrontal cortex it shuts down part of the brain part of the temporal lobe part of the parietal lobe that locates you in time and space that shuts down now you're feeling floods of all these wonderful pleasurable chemicals the part of your brain that thinks your you shuts down the part of your brain that thinks that you're in time and space shuts down and you are one with the universe and you are so full of bliss after uh, you finish eco meditation you are <laughs> you're absolutely stoked like i finished meditation this morning i open my eyes i'm like looking around me you think i was absolutely high on something and i am <laughs> I'm high on THC and I'm high on on psilocybin and I'm high on alcohol. All these things, but I, I produce this all in my own brain just with meditation. Oh. So that's what you want to do. Uh, you can you, you can you can use those those external substances, but they all come with a biological cost. Almost all of them have uh, side effects. Some of them very serious side effects. One study yeah. of marijuana found that the teenage boys who smoke only two joints mm-hmm. have adverse changes in their brains. People who smoke lots of marijuana have extremely severe effects in the memory learning centers of, of their brains. Right. That's THC, anandamide, perfect doses, no side effects. So I'm a real believer in all of those drugs that you mm-hmm. get <laughs> just for meditation.
2: So there you go, Action Tribe. This is a really, really break through your body um, as a pharmacy, deep within. And you can create, through meditation, and in particular, eco-meditation, which I'm going to try out today. But you can create these wonderful chemicals of intense joy, anandamite, serotonin, oxytocin, dopamine, and everything that you need within your own body without any adverse side effects or implications for your body. So that's amazing. And that's wonderful to note. Uh, So Dawson, you talk about NDE. You've written about NDE, near-death experiences, uh, in your book. And I've heard about, uh, you know, people who are sighted, that means they can see having NDE experiences and really being able to share it with people around the world. But you write about a person who was blind from birth almost, and she had an experience, an NDE experience, and that was pretty fascinating. So talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, and so that is where I'm talking about the whole idea that consciousness lives in the brain. And there's no scientific evidence that it does in fact there's lots of evidence that it lives outside the brain in the field and our brains are a receiver of consciousness and this woman had been blind from a, a very early age her optic nerve had been destroyed early in her her life so mm-hmm. she'd, never, seen, she'd never, never been sighted and um when she was having this operation she literally saw herself hovering above her body and she described <laughs> details like the the clothing that people were wearing, she, the, a ring that she saw, all kinds of details that she could never have seen. Mm. And um, that's a common experience with NDEs. also OBEs, out-of-body experiences, people have OBEs. And OBEs are, uh, they're, they're not near death. They're just, mm. uh, in fact, we, uh, meditators often have OBEs. And in OBEs, they see things, they perceive things very differently. If you do eco-meditation for a while, uh under the effects under the influence of a lot of serotonin you'll start to have hallucinations just like uh, psilocybin will produce hallucinations you'll start to have hallucinations but they aren't going to be a you know bad scary monster chasing you or having a bad trip they're going to be of beautiful light beings loving you and being all around you and you're living in a benevolent universe that really wants you to be happy and fulfilled so um uh, obes and ndes are is one, ex- one way in which we get out of ordinary consciousness now, it shouldn't take a crisis, a medical crisis, an operation, a healing crisis. You can sit in meditation and after a while, you can trigger an OBE simply through lots of serotonin spontaneously, any meditation when you, when, you, when you want to. I can do this after about, about 25 or 30 minutes to do this. So if I have a half hour to meditate during the day, I don't do it. Like this morning, I, I had a, an hour. So I, I then triggered that OBE and I was floating above my body, looking down on things. It was beautiful. I you just hang out there a while in bliss with the cosmos. And right. then um, you come back down. So uh, these altered states are really ones that anybody can can trigger. But you have to meditate right. Now, I just want to stress, too, not every meditation can do this. Some meditations, like eco-meditation, does this reliably. Um, there's one study that was published recently looking at meditators doing eco-meditation and comparing them to a database of mm-hmm. 7,500 EEG scans. And they found that people in eco meditation were right at the very top percentile of mm-hmm. that whole database. So it triggers those. For most people, though, if you use ordinary meditations, try to close your eyes and, and get there, you don't have the instructions to get there. You'll close your eyes, right. mind takes over. You, you're worrying about the past, you're concerned about the future, and you can't do it. You, ha- you need good instructions. And so that's free on the web. Uh, Definitely, we'll we'll give you the website in a moment, but uh, go there and use that meditation because that definitely will get you to those altered states and very quickly.
2: Got it. So I'm curious, I mean, about this lady who was blind and who experienced this NDE um, near-death experience and she she was able to see for the first time. So I'm guessing a lot of sensory overload, a wonderful experience. And then she came back to her body and now she's blind again. Wouldn't that feel uh very uh demoralizing i mean i'm curious if she then is she now exploring things like astral projection so that she can have more of those experiences like obis do you know anything about her
1: uh i don't I'm know sure. it's gone from there i do know that though, oh, okay. the experience of seeing mm-hmm. she found seeing very disorienting she'd been blind from birth and so because she'd been blind uh from birth she she found the experience of seeing things you know we we, we would think that that would be uh, a, re- a really wonderful experience for her. Right. She got got pretty scared she by was... things and uh, she was she was nervous as a result. Mm. And so I think that the end of the story was she went back into her body uh, and then she, uh, she I, I don't think she pursued it thereafter as far as I know.
2: Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, now, in your book, uh, obviously you've written a lot of stories, but then there's one of your story, a particular eureka moment that you experienced in on June twenty-six, two thousand and seventeen. So, talk to us about what exactly happened and why were you so happy? Why were you so excited and energetic?
1: Well, I've had various uh, milestones in yeah. my life, and I've been trying to acquire the states of these meditation masters. I've been I've been reading the studies of their MRI state, states, other EEG states, and then focused on 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 actually getting to those states myself because mm. uh, these, these meditation masters, for example, the Tibetans, they've been meditating for 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours, some of them over 40,000 hours. How do you catalyze that state in your own, in your own mind and brain? And it's, it's pretty hard to do. But um, if you just persist after a while, you trigger neural plasticity and you start to have these kinds of states and be able to induce them really, really quickly. So mm. do you think, meditation to do that but at various points along the road in in practicing these states i found that i can just shift and get into those states myself and um what i was focused on at that that time was um there was a there was a a chinese qigong master who had uh demonstrated the ability to affect one of the four fundamental forces of physics which is the the state of radioactive decay and this is a very stable state um radio, things like francium and amer, amer, americium and uranium plutonium all these things decay at a very stable level in fact they use these substances in atomic clocks for science because they measure time with these atomic clocks uh, cesium atomic clocks for example are, are are stable they only only lose 1 second every 4 million years so this is a very stable factors this is the this is the weak nuclear force. And what this Qi young master could do was he could put his hands over a, a little uh, capsule of uh, radioactive substances and they would say to him now speed up that radioactive decay. Now this should be impossible. It should be impossible for human consciousness and energy to make that happen. And he did. And they said now slow it down and he did. And I then began to look for stories like this from other people. And there are several people in the last, like, 50 years who have demonstrated this ability to speed up or slow down this force of nature. But um, I, I, I talked to various scientist friends of mine and said, what do you, you, you guys have great labs, you have wonderful funding, you have all this equipment. Will you replicate that experiment for me? And they were all, ah, no, I don't think it's going to work. Or, you know, we, we don't we think don't, we're interested in that. And so no one would do it. So I, I ordered the, myself, I ordered a, a Geiger counter, a little chunk of a uh, uh, radioactive substance called a Mauritium, mm-hmm. and then the Day Great Day came, they arrived, I sat down there, and I put my, my hands around them, and I tried to speed them up and slow them down, and nothing happened. <laughs> so I realized, okay, I'm not a meditation master, I don't have 10,000 mm-hmm. hours, not a Qigong master, but then I had another thought, I said, you know, let me just hold my hands there and pretend this is a client and I'm sending them energy healing. And when I did that, the rate of radioactive decay spiked up dramatically. Mm-hmm. I that. So I thought, well, wow, that's amazing. So after a while, I thought, now I'll move my hands away. Now let's slow it down. And nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So I could speed it up and not slow it down. Then my wife came home from work and so I said to her, Donnie, I've got this whole setup over here. Wouldn't you mind sitting down there and trying to see if you can move this Geiger counter? And she tried again, and nothing much happened. But right. then she held her hands like she was healing a client. And it did change the rate of radioactive decay. It slowed down. Okay. She slowed down, but not speed it up. I can speed it up, but not slow it down. And mm. we did these several times over the next few days, and it was really hard to do. So. Uh, Just just seeing that that ordinary people without training in this state of flow are able to affect these fundamental forces of nature, and then there are lots of other examples in the book as well and uh, outside of the book, but I I, I try and present the most compelling ones and the most Mm -hmm. relatable ones to people in those stories in the book, so you'll find the experiments, but also a lot of fun stories like me and the Geiger counter, and I got a a photograph of uh, of me there, and I'm wearing uh, a t-shirt that says Mind to Matter, so...
2: Leonard, <laughs> I'm really fascinated and interested in what you uncover uh, in the times to come about uh, the effect that we have through our consciousness on the decay or speeding up of radioactive matter. So that's really, really amazing. Uh, now, towards the end of the book, you have a section where you talk about embodying um, the fields of mastery, right, and also manifesting our dreams. So first, first, they talk about uh, if you could. Uh, if you would talk about mastery what is the significance of mastery in our lives and then how does this process work when looked at through the lens of energy
1: yeah so what i was curious about was we know now from the more than 400 studies in mind to matter that consciousness affects matter inside our bodies and outside our bodies but the question i was answering in that chapter aj was why are some people so very good at this and yeah. other people not very good? Like, I, I have a friend called Susie, and mm. she's an inspiring person. She has grand visions of what she wants to do in her life and with the world. She's a, a really wonderful human being. But nothing that she dreams of happens. It's mm. just in having her hear these dreams, she's onto another dream and telling you about it. And She's very eloquent about it. But... Her stuff doesn't manifest. Then mm-hmm. I have friends like Jack Canfield, who wrote the book, Success Principles. He also co-authored the Chicken Soup of the Soul series. Yeah. And if Jack has an intention, if Joe has an intention, if Tony Robbins has, has an intention, you can bet it's going to manifest because these are master manifestors. So mm-hmm. I ask myself, what's the difference between Susie with intentions that don't manifest and right. Jack Canfield with intentions that do manifest? And the answer turns out to be coherent brain function. By using okay. a laser and a 60 watt, if there is if there's a light bulb in your room, 60 watt light bulb, it's incoherent light. It's not in phase. All those light beams are scattering out from that light bulb in all directions, and it does a good thing. It lights the room. Mm-hmm. But you have a 60 watt group of rays of light that are in coherence that are in coherence, but aren't r- rather than moving about randomly, are moving in a coherent waveform. That's a sixty watt powerful beam of light. That's a laser. It's in coherence. Mm-hmm. And that laser, that 60 watt laser will cut through steel. That's the difference between that in terms of, of coherence when it comes to light. When it comes to our brain waves, that's the difference between Susie and Jack. Is that Susie's brain waves are non-coherent. And in the book, I'll right. show you what that looks like. You see these brain waves jumping all over the place. They're not in sync. Right. I have a Jack and his brain waves are all completely in sync and so it's that ability to get into sync and that's what people do in eco meditation they acquire this awakened mind state and their brainwaves all come into sync the thoughts they have the intentions they form in those enlightened states they then tend to happen
2: god that's amazing i mean that's so true that there are some people who um in many cases, despite not having the best education or the best circumstances, they're able to achieve and create wonders. Whereas some people have all the, what you would say, conditions for success, but yet they don't. They don't get there. And like you mentioned, it's the coherence that might be missing, right? The coherence right. of the brain waves. Got it. I'm definitely going to try out the eco meditation later on today. Now, you know, diving deeper as the creator of this podcast, I've got a vision for growing this to so much more and i envision this as a movement rather than just a podcast uh, and that's why our community is called the action tribe so i want to attract the right kind of people and the, the right kind of uh, you know folks to re- really collaborate and co-create something larger than our individual selves. so how can i tap into this you know collective consciousness to attract more synchronicity and more opportunities to our movement and to grow this you know what advice do you have for me
1: well, I love that name, the Action Tribe, and mm-hmm. that's crucial here because we obviously are both inspired people, you and I, AJ, are yeah. a lot of inspired people with this community, but then move it to action. How do you move it to action? That's what's mm-hmm. critical. Uh, one, for example, one lady I ran into in a, in a workshop about two weeks ago, teaching a live workshop, she said, Dawson, I, I decided I was going to use your eco method for 90 days Yeah, day. And I just have her do like a 15-minute one. It's not, not a long one in the morning. But I said, 90 days, that's, that's a good commitment of time. I yeah. said, what day are you on right now? So I said, I'm, I'm on day 115. Okay. <laughs> now, what's happened is she's become an addict. She's addicted yeah. to anandamide, addicted to serotonin, addicted to dopamine, addicted to all these field good chemicals in her brain. Yeah. She's 90 days, and after being in this bliss-brain state for 90 days, she doesn't want to stop. So Mm. uh, the crucial thing is to be consistent. What you find about those people is their visions are consistent and they are consistently in those states. They don't just go there once in a while. I used to be an occasional meditator. The the, the year my life changed was the year I said, I was 45 years old, it was almost 20 years ago, I said, I'm gonna meditate every single day without fail. And that is the crucial thing consistently. Uh, consistency those those meditators meditate and it's not casual for them it is the foundation of their day so that that is one thing another thing is really abandoning yourself to non-local mind that same Mm. wisdom that same universal intelligence that helped me find the keys in the ocean i'm looking at my window of my office now and i see trees and birds and flowers and and clouds and you know non-local mind is running the universe it's keeping and it's their orbits. It's the sun and the trees and the insects, all of the, the migration of the humpback whales. I mean, all of the stuff is organized by, um, by non-local mind, by universal mind, and it's wise. And so in chapter two of my book, Mind Matter, I have a chapter focused on the science of self-organizing systems. It's called the emergence, how in these big systems, they're self-organizing. And mm-hmm. if we're little local human beings thinking I am me and I have to make my way in the world, we're we're stuck in local mind. You want to just meditate and let go of your fixation on local reality and local mind. Because the vision of your life that the universe has for you, that non-local mind has for you, is infinitely greater than the vision you can come up with in your local mind. So surrender, let go, turn into non-local mind. Because then you're in synchronous connection with everyone else who's in synchronous connection with non-local mind and with that state of flow. And then you find the keys of the ocean. You find the perfect people sitting next to you at at lunch. The MIT student is just there, there next to me. Everything is in flow. And then those those non-local visions that are gifted to you just manifest easily all around you.
2: Got it. Thanks a lot for that wonderful, wonderful piece of advice. Uh, And now moving into some... A bit more, a question that is a bit more existential in nature. My question is, Do you? and you might have alluded to this a bit, but is this a sentient world? Is there a reason for everything happening in life? Is there a grand scheme that we are part of or is everything just random?
1: I believe that there is order and uh, there is love in the cosmos. And I don't believe that because I have a theory about it because I think it. Mm-hmm. I experience that in meditation. I tune into non-local mind. I let go of my local mind. And, AJ, I feel so much love when I meditate. I feel that the universe so loves each of us mm-hmm. that when I finish my meditations, I am so filled up with love, I don't have enough pockets to put it all into. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm i I'm almost um, bewildered and the. Be- the mystics talk about bewilderment because you, you tune into that love right. and you feel so loved, so cared for, and you experience your life works so much better that way. So I believe we live in this infinitely loving universe. Now, do I believe that there is some kind of, um, deity that is like, uh, running things? I don't have that experience. I don't ex- experience some kind of, um, you know, the old man in the sky with a long mm-hmm. white beard, like Zeus in the, Greek mythology, hurling thunderbolts and manipulating things, I don't experience that. I, I experience a, 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 a cosmos of order, of beauty, of love, um, but it's, 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 it's not personal in that sense. Not, 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 uh, there aren't like gods up there, which are human beings writ large, who are, who are sort of manipulating and pulling the strings. No. It's not my experience at all. My experience is of, is of a loving and benevolent universe, and that my Personal well-being occurs when I surrender my fixation on my local life, my local well-being, and just am part of that great non-local universe.
2: Yeah, so Action Tribe, we're learning about uh, disconnecting from our ego, surrendering and connecting to the non-local mind or the collective consciousness because there is your key. There is where your potential and true purpose lies and uh, Dawson oftentimes um, stuff happens right we have an accident we lose a job we get diagnosed with a disease we experience a natural calamity and when we're in the midst of all of this you know sometimes we can't help but ask what is the purpose of all of this suffering or challenges in this existence so what are your thoughts on that when we go through a really difficult crisis situation or a difficult situation
1: Well, first of all, when you go through a crisis, if you are a meditator, you are resilient. I was at a restaurant with a group of people around a big round table a few weeks ago, and a waiter tripped and had a whole tray of dishes and all went slammed to the floor. There was this big crash, loud crash. And you could tell the meditators around the table, we just kept on talking. (laughs) <laughs> mm. it, it, we're, we recorded the sound and then there, there was no interruption to our being in flow um the people who were meditators they jumped up they were there there's kind of a big startled response oh my goodness what's that they were panicked for a moment mm. uh so when you go through when you get the the, the the cancer diagnosis like like my friend beth got or you have the financial disaster or you lose your job or you have, get, get a divorce or your kid your child uh say uh has a terrible experience at school any of those things happen when you do this you are resilient you grow a lot of neural tissue in your brain mm. in chapter one of mind to matter i give the story example of a of a man called graham phillips who went on an eight-week meditation journey but he had his brain measured before and afterwards at a yeah. university, called Monash university and over the course of eight weeks many shifts happened in his brain Certain mm. areas improved But the area that grew most was an area responsible for emotional regulation called the dentate gyrus. And in eight weeks of mindfulness and meditation, his dentate gyrus grew by 22.8%. Now, all that neural tissue in your brain to handle the traumas of life, you're resilient. And so now you're turning the software of mind into the hardware of brain. And when the bad stuff happens... You have inner strength to cope with it, so you have fewer of those things. You're wise. You're in the flow. You aren't exempt from them. Bad things happen to everyone. know that there are economic cycles. Um, right. the economy goes up. The economy goes down. It's not like it's going to you know just bypass you, but you might be much wiser in your your actions because you don't, you aren't being reactive. You have this core of serenity. I mean, look at the Tibetans. They're, you know the country was invaded by the Chinese in 1950. Taken yeah. over, uh, thousands of monks and nuns were slaughtered, and um, they practice nonviolence as they do that today. And there are so many examples of people who are Gandhi. You know, look how he he, he overthrew the British Empire in India. You know, uh, not by the sword, but by anchoring in his his values. Um, Nelson Mandela in South Africa. Uh, there was another man in Pakistan. Uh, the the Gandhi in Pakistan did the same, very very, very similar thing. There are these inspiring people? That, they produce far more social change in the long in the long run, and that's why the world is is becoming so much so much better. So uh, there are. It's not that all the the turmoil of the world passes us by. It still hits us, but we're resilient. We have resources, and we know we're part of something greater, part of non-local mind. We don't think that this small local reality is me whenever part of something far greater
2: thanks a lot for sharing i think that is really really profound action drive to access the show notes for today's episode visit my7chakras.com forward slash 351 that's my7chakras.com forward slash 351 and if you're listening to this episode on your iphone or your apple device don't forget to hit subscribe because It'll ensure that you do not miss out on any new episode that we release for you. Once again, to stay notified, to stay updated, make sure that you hit the subscribe button. Happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, worn, or consumed. Happiness is the spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. Now, this is a powerful quote by Dennis Waitley. Action Tribe, this is really really powerful and it can be applied in your life immediately as an action taker i'm sure that you have your goals your dreams that you're working toward and every time that you accomplish a milestone you experience a sense of accomplishment you feel great right and while that is great to experience don't confuse this with true happiness because that type of happiness can disappear in a minute a day or a week the type of happiness uh is is derived from something outside of you right the the truth is that you don't have to earn your happiness like we're learning today and through the advice of dawson you already have it within you you just need to reveal the sunshine that you have within you and when you experience even a glimpse of it you will feel an abundance of joy and an abundance of ananda Might. (laughs) Because just as Dennis (laughs) reminded us, happiness is the spiritual experience of living each and every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. So Dawson, talk to us about maybe one experience or one moment where you had a challenge or a difficulty and tell us how you overcame that difficult experience.
1: Well, I'm working on a new book to be published in a couple of years, and um, it's a follow-on from Mind to Matter. Okay. And in it, I tell the story of October the 9th, 2017 in my life, and my wife shook me awake in the middle of the night. I looked at the alarm clock at 12.45 a.m. I looked out the window of our bedroom. I saw a glow on the horizon. I walked outside. The electricity went out, and I saw a wildfire racing down the hillside toward us and i just told my wife we are getting out of here right now we literally sprint, sprinted through on uh, clothing grabbed the car keys ran through a, uh, just a a storm of embers out to our car yeah. and we we we, we get a drive down our we had a long 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 driveway and um, my wife felt all this heat on top of her head and she out up through the moon roof of the car and all the branches of the trees above her were on fire. She so drove up through the fire, we drove about three miles away, and it's a long story, I won't tell you the whole thing, but um, two days later, one, the whole area was sealed off and 5,300 homes were, were destroyed that night. Uh, 22 people lost their lives, eight of those were within a thousand yards of our home, the fire was moving at the speed of, a, uh, at, at, at the length of a football field every three seconds. It was moving so fast, oh, wow. just, just killed. Uh, couldn't, uh, uh, we, we were lucky to escape. And so a friend, they stuck past the army. The army was pulled out and they sealed off the whole area after the fire the next day. And a friend of ours got past them and uh, we texted her and we said, was our house damaged? We just didn't know if it had been damaged or, or not. And she she texted us back two photographs and there was nothing there, just a concrete slab, the chimney. I mean, it had melted the refrigerators, melted the cars, melted everything. And so um we, you know, we had that that huge dislocation and, and loss. And uh, it took us a long time to recover in various ways. And um, but we were resilient. We were, we were meditators, and wouldn't we have to meditate after the fire? In the next few days, we felt ourselves again. We we were traumatized. Obviously, it was, it was, it was as traumatic for us as it was for the other many thousands of people who displaced. But we had resilience, and so that's why I say that the wildfire didn't miraculously pause by our house. We lost our house and all our possessions, along with everybody else in that fire. But uh, again, it was powerful for us because we, it showed us we were resilient people, and so uh, that's what it can do for you. So that's the time in my life recently a really big time when um, my resilience was put to the test. And a week after that, a week after the fire, I was keynoting a psychology conference in Canada and teaching a one-week course to psychotherapists on how to treat psychological trauma.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, uh, you know, firstly, thanks a lot for sharing that story. And in researching this episode, I did come across... uh, the GoFundMe page that you had put up after the calamity that you experienced. And I wasn't sure if you're comfortable in sharing that story. But I appreciate you sharing this because a lot of our listeners might be able to relate to something that they lost in their lives when things happen. It doesn't happen without any warning, but they do happen. And in times like these, our character, our personality, and our mindset is tested And we can always draw something from that experience. So um, I might not be able to relate to what exactly you experienced, but I appreciate you sharing it with, with all of us. Action Tribe, I hope you are really enjoying today's session as much as I am. We're not done yet. Before moving on, I wanted to address a few things that you may have on your mind right now. You see, you might have many questions on your mind, most of them unanswered, part of which you are listening to this episode for, right? And out of all these questions, there are three main questions that almost all spiritual seekers have. Who am I really? What is my purpose here on earth? And what is going to happen to me after I die? Now, it's probably impossible to provide all the answers to these existential questions in a 70-minute episode. But life always provides us clues. Uh, But so often we are caught up in our own thoughts and emotions that we fail to notice them. So my suggestion is to become more mindful, like we're learning today, about all the experiences that you have on a daily basis. Because just as Nikola Tesla once put, if you wish to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration, which is a theme for today's episode. And with that, we've come to the last round for today, which is sort of like a rapid fire round, so our listeners can get some uh, nuggets of wisdom that they can act upon. Uh, so Dawson, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received?
3: That's a provocative
1: question. And um, I really love listening to people and learning from people. And so I have a lot of friends who are bestselling authors and I listen to them and enjoy hearing from them, too. But I have a lot of friends who are just ordinary people. I, one of my best friends I was with this last week was is a mechanic. Mm. And I just love this guy, and I, I find him to be very wise, too. So it's not just people who you think you know, are best-selling authors who have the answers. Often, there's a lot of wisdom in ordinary people. And um, as people have shared with me over the years, I think one pivotal uh, one pivotal issue has been self-love. And I, I, when, when people in my live workshops, when they tell me their stories about the tragedies and difficulties of their lives, uh, often they have so much self-blame and self-criticism. And I think just learning to love yourself is is powerful. So uh, the, with EFT, you learn to love yourself, accept yourself. And that is so profoundly wonderful. We're in a very positive thinking society and people say change, grow, transform. And sometimes be caught, or it's difficult, or sometimes we have an incurable disease or a, a physical issue that's congenital. Mm-hmm. So just loving and accepting yourself just the way you are, self-love just the way you are. I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I've, I've received, and I always pass that along.
2: And if you could turn back time and spend one hour with someone who is living or dead, who would it be?
1: Well, that would be an interesting question. Um, spending one hour with somebody who is living or dead. Um, the cool thing about meditation is, you you do that actually <laughs> when you're out there in the cosmos and non-local mind, yeah. you go spend time with just those beautiful beings who are out there. So it's it's a it's a great experience. And uh, if I had to transport my physical body back someplace, some uh, place some place or time, that was really really pivotal. I think it would be when either Jesus or the Buddha were on the verge of their enlightenment and their public ministry. And they both had, uh, and I talk about this in my new book, uh, they both had this time, this period of just a few brief hours when they were tempted. Jesus was mm. tempted in the, de- the desert by the devil. Yeah. Uh, the, the king of the demons came to Buddha, and they tried to pull them out of their spiritual focus off their spiritual path. And only when those masters were completely steadfast in their spiritual experience did they break through to enlightenment. And so that hour when uh, the uh, Mara, the king of the demons, was 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 throwing everything he could at the Buddha. He asked the other demons to throw slings and spears at at the Buddha, and the Buddha's focus was so strong they turned to, to flowers. He told the other demons to throw mountains at the Buddha and the Buddha could not be broken. Then he decided to, because he was failing to get the Buddha all upset by this 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 string of threats, he thought, well maybe I can tempt the Buddha out of out of single-minded devotion by um, giving the Buddha really good things. Like the devil said to Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you bow down to me. And Mara said to the Buddha, he gave him a parade of all the most beautiful women in the whole world. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> and these great enlightened beings stayed completely focused in their, in their attention to non-local mind and the universe. And that's when they broke through. So that, those, those hours, when they were tempted and they stayed with it, those I think would be some of the hours that changed things for whole civilizations. And as, the, as we do that today, as we devote that half hour or that hour in our daily lives to med- meditation, we know then that transcendent state we go to when we when we die. And we're reenacting, becoming incarnate and becoming discarnate every, every day for half an hour, whatever it is. We're doing that every day in right. meditation. And so death holds no fear for us and we, we, we transform. So that, 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 that hour would be, <laughs> I think, my favorite time to go back to.
2: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And I think you've uh, sort of alluded to my next question, which is, what is it one thing that you do in the morning Uh, or maybe in the evening before you sleep that has improved the quality of your life? Meditate.
1: Meditate Meditate. every day. When you first wake up, do not check your cell phone. Do not go on social media. Do not talk to anybody. Do not distract yourself. Do not read the news. For goodness sake, do not read the news. Do not do anything. Do not condition your consciousness by anything out there. Condition your consciousness by what's up here. Here is where where the news is really happening, is non-local mind. Due to that, immediately you wake up because you have a lot of theta and delta waves and a lot of alpha going on when you wake up. If you harvest that bounty of brain waves and of consciousness, and then quickly move into that in your waking state, it's much easier to get to. So I I would say the first thing you do, wake up in the morning, immediately go to meditation.
2: Got it. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners today, what would it be?
1: I love my friend jack canfield's book the success principles and i've given this book to my children given it to my team members given it to friends uh give it to my housekeeper i mean i have given this book to everybody i can think of because um it is 64 principles of success and you want to know what successful people do if i had that book when i was 25 aj i would have had a very a much more happy subsequent 20 years and so um that book is really powerful for me uh, the, the Success Principles by Jack Hanfield.
2: Got it. We will definitely have all these links up in the show notes. And Action Tribe, all of you know that if you would like to get the Audible version of this book for free, then uh, Audible.com is providing all our listeners with one free Audible download. All you need to do is go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. my7chakras.com forward slash free book. So Dawson, thank you so much for coming on our show today um before you go tell us something that you're really grateful for and how can all our listeners find out more about you and get your book as well
1: well to get my book go to mindmatter.com and if you're listening live there's actually a contest running right now the publisher's giving away free books and there's also a webinar with me on the seven neurochemicals of bliss you get if you buy the paperback edition this month so um that's really a lot of fun to to, to do to be on that webinar and also into the contest. So that's mind2matter.com. And also there's a link to the EFT mini-manual, to so learn tapping with that. There's a link to seven free meditations from the book. There are all kinds of other r- wonderful resources there. And so mind is the best place to go. In terms of being grateful, I'm just grateful to be alive. I just wake up every morning. I feel so grateful just to be here. I feel as though the privilege of being in a body and be able to do stuff you know uh, there are plenty of this kind of beings out there and they're wonderful too yeah. but they envy us we have bodies we get to make love we get to enjoy food and wine we get to walk in nature we get to meditate we get to swim in the ocean we get to see the seasons change i, I mean we are so blessed simply to be alive whether you're a man or a woman or a child or old or young or wherever in the world you live you are so lucky to simply inhabit a body whether your body is tall or short or black or brown or yellow or sick or well you are just so lucky to be here and i i find myself just almost in tears of gratitude every morning simply to have a body and be here so
2: awesome thanks a lot for sharing action tribe before we end if you have enjoyed today's episode and if you consider yourself an action tribe member then you will definitely love the Action Tribe Inner Circle experience where you'll have access to mentors who will provide you training in a variety of topics, including discovering your purpose, activating your intuition, learning about yoga philosophy, and dissolving your financial blocks. If you're curious and you'd like to be notified as soon as we launch, then visit my 7 forward slash waitlist, my7chakras.com forward slash waitlist because We've got something really special in store for you. If you're on Instagram, then take a screenshot of this episode and tag me uh, so that I can share your story with our community. My handle is at my7chakras. That's at my7chakras. Dawson, are you active on Instagram at the moment?
1: Uh, I have a social media manager who is, yes. But I don't, I don't know what handle to use. EF Universe is uh, is our website. And then uh-huh. but, but mindmatter.com will get you access to all of those links.
2: Okay, just go to mindmatter, matter And then you'll have all the links to his social media profiles. Dawson, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the power of our mind to transform our lives and create our known reality and taking us one step closer to a human revolution.
1: Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my7chakras.com thats my my7chakras.com